Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a special guest, somebody like a brother from another (laughs) on the East Coast, and somebody that I have tremendous respect for. I've been working with this guy for a good amount of time right now, as far as on the credit side. Very inspired by this gentleman. He's in the military, active military, a realtor, as well as a crazy investor. I call him crazy investor because he doesn't let anything stop him. In just a short period of time, went from $50,000 of credit to be able to build up $5.5 million in his real estate portfolio. Just picked up his first commercial deal that's over a million, a triple net lease that it's been totally hands off for him. And he loves the type of cash flow that's coming in from that. So we're going to dive into it. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty and get this guy to really open up and explain the secret sauce of what he's doing on a daily basis to be able to get the result that you guys can as well. But make sure you guys share this out tag somebody in that needs to see it, hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification every single Monday and leave a review. Let me know what you guys think about it. But without further ado, Q, what's up, brother? How we doing? What's up? Yeah, just trying to ease the little stress a little bit with the coronavirus. So constantly adjusting, but realizing I just control what I control. But the main focus right now with the current economy, yeah, just locking in that any kind of floating debt and restructuring debt. But yeah, doing good. I feel like I've done more Zoom calls last two weeks than I did the last two years. But yeah, it's so uh, true. That. It's so true. And I say Q because I, it just comes off naturally for me, but I, I probably should introduce you right. Uh, Queen no, no, yeah. Q. Yeah. yeah, if everyone calls me Q, it's, it's easy. Sure. Yeah. It's good. That's very true. So one thing that always stands out whenever I get on the phone call with you or like for credit or real estate, just chatting with you, you always have such a positive mindset. Like there's always obstacles that come in like the coronavirus, what we're dealing with right now, but you always overcome. And I think that says a lot about character, but also like motivation because like we could all sit around making excuses why we're not succeeding or whatever this is, but you have something special, which is mindset, right? <laughs> I call it mindset. That's mindset. Because once your mindset's really fine-tuned and you're driven and nothing holds you back, no excuses, then I've seen you scale like tremendously, very quickly. And a lot of people can do the same thing too if they just change that mindset a little bit, right? But anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, do you mind just diving into who you are, what you do, and and your whole process? Yeah, so grew up Champaign, Illinois. That's where I'm at right now, University of Illinois. Uh, Joined the Army National Guard out of high school to help pay for college. I just felt guilty if I had my parents pay for it. They've already done enough for me. So, and I knew more than anything, I definitely didn't get in the military for the money. <laughs> yeah. I think camp I got, it was like 1200 a month, you know, sure. but I knew the experiences in that kind of system that could have forever. So just trying to build the experience. I knew that would, that would be good. And it would uh, help pay for college, being able to get that bachelor or master degree. 
Yeah, I went to U of I for bachelor's, master's, probably drank more than I needed to. <laughs> As Jim Irsay say, I spilt more than you drank. But talking about drinking, I blame uh, Green Street here. But really only read, read like one or two books in that time and was doing uh, ballet parking at the country club. And it's like, man, this could see some people there. And that kind of was inspiring every day. Daily dose of motivation, seeing, seeing that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And just seeing what kind of industry would uh, provide that time freedom. And any business I was studying, I've studied like the Intelligent Investor. Benjamin Graham was like my first book I read because Warren Buffett said that was his mentor. I'm like, Warren Buffett, man, he's got stacks. Yeah. Like, just all the blueprint. Good. Yeah. I was like, research and development, I was always more like a ripoff and duplicate, you know, yep. stuff. So I just was reading that book on stocks. I'm like, okay, blue chip dividend stocks. And then kept looking at businesses and any business can have a high probability to succeed, but everything kept going back to real estate, you know, 90% of millionaires, real estate. So I just really uh, doubled down on that and started building from there and had like my first house was a house hack. I bought three bedroom, three bath, put up a wall to make it four bedroom, three bath, hmm. rented uh, two roommates for like 400 each and then Airbnb and brought in like 1700. My opinion was like 900. And I was like, that first check, I was like, holy cow. I was like, knocked out my biggest expense because Americans, your biggest expense yeah. statistically is going to be your housing. So your rent or mortgage, and then you're going to have your auto loan generally. So, so car payments and go read a uh, total money makeover and Dave Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was asking about debt because I, lo I love leverage. I think it's huge. Yes. Uh, strategically, but I, I tell people at the same time, I was like, if you're a consumer, go read Dave Ramsey. But if you're an investor, go get the cheap debt and arbitrage it. Yeah. Uh, who am I talking to? Am I talking to a guy, you know, so yeah, don't go in there. But then, yeah, I started, went to all the free events. You know, I'm still slapping my doing whatever in the bathroom, demoing and stuff by myself. When I first started, because I didn't have any money, I didn't want to outsource anything when I said, I could do it myself. So, you know, I'm being the cheap guy because yeah. I've always been that way when I started out. So I was just YouTube and everything. And then going to the free events, I finally podcast daily nonstop. I actually drove a charter bus like a couple of days a month because I had other high paying jobs I could have done, but I was looking at as it was 10 to 12 hour shifts going to Chicago and stuff. That was 10 to 12 hours. I'm in the classroom, just straight content, audiobooks, podcasts, straight content. Yeah. And even though it was a big pay cut, I was like, those things I can take forever and build on. So I actually did those kind of jobs where I'll be driving. I was a bus driver, uh, doing my master's degree, bus driver, $15 an hour. Yeah. I was doing jobs where I could be learning on the job while still making Won't money. For that. Yeah. So, but uh, following college, I finally did the real estate radio guy syndication event. Because uh -huh. after I did my house hack, then I started doing creative finance, bought a couple houses, $1,000 down doing that because I just wanted to just keep creating streams of income. I thought of each house like a business, just a stream of income here, a stream of income here. And you start building that up at compounds. So I did create a finance that way because it was actually a blessing not to have money because when you don't have the money, you optimize everything. Yeah, you, you got to think outside the box, right? It's yeah. like, I, I don't have money to be able exactly. to put this in. So, so you just start saying, I can't do that. I always said, how can I do that? How can I do that? Anything of value, I knew yeah. I could use as collateral. Yeah, but it was like it's the Parkinson's law. Like the more you have, the more you spend. So I didn't have a lot, <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> I couldn't spend a lot. So Carlton sheets, no money down, and I was like, I had so much of nothing, it could have bought the whole city. You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't need anything. You just have creativity. Yeah. So if if you have a money problem, as long as you don't have an idea 
or a motivation problem, you can always work through things. But I uh, went to the real estate after the creative finance stuff, went to the, I was like, what's the next step besides creative finance? And because I knew 20% down, that model just wasn't scalable. I'm like, I need yeah. to get velocity back, get this back. Even if they're producing 20% cash on cash return, like first house was a $32,000 house. My payment was like 280 and it ran into 640. Sure. So it was like a 2% rule deal, my first one. Yeah. The $32,000 house, the cheapest house in the county, like in the area, section eight. I love section eight, like my first five are section eight. Okay. And some people won't touch them. And I was on the boots on the ground, so I didn't have a problem with it. I, I just started doing section eight and it has been like the most hands off and, and definitely it's an amazing experience uh, thus far. I grew up on section eight, so I was always like weary of like. Like your family or you were? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember a little bit back, so I didn't know that. So yeah, so you, you know about it. I'm like, I tell people like they're the same persons me and you, you know, they, they want to live somewhere clean, safe. Yeah. Or all that. It's like just like any other bad tenant who's not Section 8 can be the same problems as someone with Section 8. Yeah. I don't discriminate, you know, it's, it's all about character of the person. Sure. But I picked Section 8 those first five because I wanted certainty. And I can run a business on certainty, I can't on ambiguity. And so, yeah. you know, when it's fluctuating and volatile, it's hard, hard to predict stuff. Sure. So I did that Section 8. But then after that, I'm like, I need to recoup capital faster, just find money. So I got into more credit lines and syndication model. And when I got into the real estate radio guys, syndication event, that was a game changer because after you learn how to raise money and you find deals, I would say, yeah, three highest leverage activities for a real estate investor, find deals, find money, and then improving and optimizing your operations. And that's like what I try to focus on now. So if I'm not doing those three things, then there's an opportunity cost there I'm losing because it's like- List out the three again, one more. Find deals. Find deals. Find money. Yep. And then improve your operations and systems. So mm-hmm. your SOPs. Always refining those. Because um, the systems I have today are not what I had. Yeah. You know, I, I had a rehab that was that color paint, this color paint. Yeah. And I was like, nope. French gray walls, white trim, vinyl plank, stainless steel, brush nickel, brush nickel, you know. Yeah, finish. So, so my mental bandwidth, that's gone. Yeah. This is what we're doing. It's like the... The uh, Bill Belichick, this is what we do, this is who we are, you know, do your job, this is what we're no, doing. No questions asked, like the same outfit every morning type of thing, we're good to go, yeah. no problems. It's like trying to see some of that in the, the military background, like in the military, you got an officer like S1, you know, who does personnel, this guy does security, this guy does this, like that's their lane, you see, yeah. they stay in their lane, but at the same time there's SOPs, so when you're doing all these multiple tasks, you spread yourself thin, you become very efficient as none of them. So SOP stand for? Uh, standard operating procedures. Yes. Okay. So yes, that, in the military, yeah, standard operating procedures. So I was learning that because I, I joined enlisted out of high school, but when I went to U of I did Army ROTC there, the, an officer. So first lieutenant right now, just Nat- Army National Guard part-time. Yeah. But doing those SOPs and it's like become more efficient or catch on to stuff instead of spreading yourself thin, when you're assigned like the one thing, the book, the one thing, yeah. assigned so one task you're going to be efficient in that. And I always say, I always relate to everything. Get your sets and reps in. Yeah. And the more sets and reps you get in, then you're going to be efficient. So the real estate syndication event, so I went on a tangent there. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. Talk all day. I blame the, the podcast. But the syndication event with Russell Gray and Robert, Robert Helms, I flew, up, flew down to Dallas. It was probably the first event I paid for. And I probably, you know, 1000 to 1500 between the travel and everything. Yeah. 
what I learned is I didn't have to do everything to make deals work, which is what I was doing. And that's why I only had a couple of houses at the time. Like yeah. <laughs> I was finding the deal money, doing the rehab. It was bonkers. It, yeah. it wasn't scalable. You could be profitable doing that, but you're not going to be scalable. Yeah. So if your goal is only have five or 10, I might tell that person you, you can do it for yourself. Do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want to be scalable, you got to have the systems in place. Like the E-Myth Michael Gerber, legendary book. Read oh. that. Yeah. So Ray Kroc didn't make hamburgers. McDonald's made hamburgers. Yeah. Know? McDonald's yeah. in Cali, McDonald's on East Coast. You can interchange the employees out. They'll get the same result. The systems. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the time frame from everything. Cause how old are you right now? Uh, 27. 27. When did you start? How old were you? 25. 25. Okay. So you started around 25 getting yeah, your fun in college. Probably. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then when you enlisted so at 19 and then became an officer when I got uh, graduated from U of I okay. and started doing like, like I was in Virginia all month of February and doing some military training there. So it was always hard to find a stable job when you're leaving for training. For three yeah. months, you know. Of course. So. so with education, how, how long did you take advantage of the education before you finally felt confident enough to pull the trigger? And get your first deal. Honestly, I knew that one deal wasn't going to change yeah. the next five years, but I knew learning the process would. Sure. So I just wanted to get in the game. And I knew that's why I started with Section 8 because I, I said the worst thing that can happen, and for anybody in real estate, is I knew if I failed, it wasn't going to be because of the asset class real estate because it's proven that historically it wipes everything. So I knew if I failed, it was going to be because of my choices and what yeah. I did. Not because of real estate. I said real estate's easy, the people are hard. Yeah. But buying that first one, I just didn't want to get wiped out. I was like, I don't, at this point, I've read so much podcasts, I was like, I just need to get in the game and do something. And so when I did, did that, it was that $32,000 house. And that syndication event, the real estate guys learning to leverage others 10,000 hours. Mm. So, what I didn't have, I could leverage out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And there's enough, you know, so, so and I could do what I like doing, which was structuring deals and providing opportunities for people. But then I heard about the Summit at Sea, and this was like the game changer, I would say, for me. This was the event that changed me. And it was a high price tag. Like, I they had a young adult program where it's like $2,500 to go on the cruise ship. Yeah. If you're 25 or younger, and I'm 25 at this time, <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm like, oh man, they got the scarcity factor on me, you know? They got this, all the sales, but they're the, like most genuine educators. I know they're like, love it. I've got yeah, their quote, but it's uh, so I went to that event because I think everybody else is like five thousand or higher. Sure. So I mean, it's a a great event, but the thing that made me go besides I was 25 and I could get a scholarship, you had send in a video, was I saw Robert Kiyosaki was going to be on this, and that's a guy that's created more real estate investors in the world. Yeah, yeah. That poor dad. So I looked at it as like a sporting event, going to see like Michael Jordan or something. Best like the best. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like, okay, Robert Kiyosaki. And the price, I'm 25. This is the lowest thing. I'll uh, have this price again. Yep. So I went to that. Got to meet, uh, basically on the cruise ship, six, seven days with those guys. And it's like the, the four minute mile with Roger Bannister. Like I heard these guys on podcasts, like all the big names, think multifamily, like there's just all the big names on that cru cruise ship. I believe I was the brokest kid on that cruise ship. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> all these guys have a thousand units and you start, you know, just, it, it naturally makes you think bigger. Yeah. 
you know, I read about it, I heard about on podcasts, but it was something different. Like I could touch them. Like these guys are real, you know, I always heard their voice. Yeah. But it was a, yeah, Roger Banister when he did the four minute mile. Nobody thought that could be broken or whatever. Never so thought I, it was possible. Once it finally was broken, then the, the, the everybody started getting it. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Belief. So when I was on that shift for those six days, my belief just changed overnight. And I was just like, okay, this is possible. Like they, they weren't born, uh, out of the womb like this they're nothing <laughs> special nothing like crazy above they're, they're, me they're like, special because i mean what they've accomplished yeah but it, 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 yeah it wasn't like what you're saying it was like they have information i don't yeah and they're doing activities i'm not doing yes but it wasn't like they were born with these gifts they no. just had a growth mindset and built on it so this is achievable for anybody sure but it was that belief on that cruise ship. And when I got back from that cruise ship, I was like, I just burned the ships. I said, <laughs> I, when you're on a cruise ship, and I don't know if you're Kiyosaki uh, speaking person, he has a Marine background and everything. He's pretty in your face and yeah. <laughs> and stuff. I love it. He's, he's awesome because he, he's real. I'd yeah. rather listen to somebody real that I don't like than somebody fake, you know. That's of course. But he, uh, being on a cruise ship with him for six days, it was like, I came back, I said, it's uh, hard going back to ever W two job again. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> just being with him those those weeks, yeah. But yeah, that totally changed me. That's where I started getting to work. Just double down on real estate business and leverage and all that. The moral of it is go on a cruise ship. <laughs> go on a cruise ship and, and just start all over. <laughs> go on a cruise ship and be the brokest kid in the ship, or, or as I say, the dumbest guy in the room. Yeah, yeah, that's the best. I love yeah, it. You, yeah, that belief just changes there. So after you got your first property, how long until you got your second? And then basically you just kept that same routine until you're up to five. Then you went on the cruise ship, right? And it started changing. Yeah, it started changing. Like I should have looked at the numbers before this, but. There was like, I do remember August and September last year, I was so stuck in the process <laughs> that I never looked up and saw, which was probably bad. Luckily, I just, I knew my numbers and yeah. cost base and stuff. But I knew there was like a two month stretch, like August, September, where I got to October, looked at my, like, holy crap, there was like uh, like 13 properties just in those two months from mm. selling finance and stuff and buy and hold. And that was the other thing. I always, was like the seven habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey. Yeah. Was start with the end in mind. And so yeah. I was like $10,000 a month cash flow, you know, and then you just reverse engineer. Yeah. It's like, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. <laughs> so it's like, you have to start with like, what's your end goal, you know? So that was what I wanted to work back from. But yeah, I just got stuck in the process of buying, like I said, the deals and the money. And those two highest leverage activities you can do. And yeah, then kind of just, I forgot the exact numbers. I know the overall numbers now, but I just remember that August and September last year, that two weeks where it was like 13 houses. It would have been nice to just do a 13 apartment building. It would have been easier. Right? Yeah. I had gray hair, but 13 <laughs> different roofs, it, it was uh, different. That, that was what I was talking. We actually, yeah, the other night we were on the phone. I hung up I'm like, holy crap, I talked to you for an hour. I didn't even know it. Yeah, just because I like talking with business real estate people because, you know, just constantly growing and evolving. But that night we were talking about the, the two things that bother me in the real estate and the Facebook was the, uh, oh, the units. People was like, oh, I have 500 units, this one use. Yeah, it's not about that. It's about the cash flow, baby. Yeah, cash flow. I was like, that's irrelevant. I was like, you could have 500 units that are hemorrhaging cash. I was yeah. like, 
because I know the guy in the crew should put 100,000 syndication over 500 unit deals. He has over 500 units, but I was like, I just always care about the cash flow. So but how much like, you bring it in? Yeah, yeah there, there's people that have 5,000 doors, but then, you know, what percentage do they actually own of that? How much cash flow are you bringing in? And how much equity of those 500 units do you own? Yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was like, it was like okay, the units, it was kind of irrelevant. But then the second thing was, you know, wholesaling, it's uh, – easy to get attracted to the big checks, you know, and it was like, Oh, 70,000 check. You know, I've left closing with a $60,000 check, but it was from a refinance. So I took a picture of a $6,000 check, but I had to pay off $50,000 to private partners that were with me on this deal. But I could have showed a $60,000 check. Make it look sexy, but is it? Yeah. I I didn't get to take home that 60. So it was like, what am I taking home? So I had to pay off 50 there. So it was like, yeah, the unit count and the, uh, Wholesale are showing big checks and stuff. Yeah. I know that's uh, sexy, but it all goes back to like, what's your goals? You don't need to get yes. caught up in somebody else's goals, which I've struggled with because I see someone doing it. I'm like, oh, I should do that. I'm like, that's not aligned with what I want. I want my time. Yes. That's why I've always been committed to the buy and hold, building those streams of income. I love it. I had a deal, about 78, put 10 into it. was like 88. And I had a buyer who was going to buy at 115. It would have been nice cash out. You know, over 25, that well, there have been commissions, but 20, 25,000. But I took the $400 a month cash flow instead. Yeah. And just refinanced it. And so some of my friends would would be like, oh, take the cash, man, take the cash. I was like, that might be good if, uh, but it's not aligning my goal. I know the cash flow is going to help me get to my goal. And it's not like I lost that equity. The equity's still there. Still there, which is great. Yeah. And I get all the tax benefits and everything. But more importantly, is. Now that's collateral that I can collateralize to buy more down the road. So you're gonna, that equity is going to be like a tool for me down the road. So instead of flipping it, getting taxed on everything, people are like, oh, you could have taken the 25. I'm like, I can still take the 25 five years from now, hopefully, yeah. unless, unless the market takes away and coronavirus. Yeah. It could. That's why you want to make sure it cash flows. Yeah. <laughs> so it cash flows. That's good, yeah. Make sure you got a fixed mortgage as well. So let's dive into the nitty gritty because I could talk to you for hours. We, we'll probably have to definitely get you back on here to cover some more things because you are a creative investor. You know, you have no limitations whatsoever. And the things that you're doing is definitely next level. But I want to talk about some of your deal structures, how you're getting deals because you're a realtor as well. I know you probably got to shout that out. So the broker. Yeah, disclosure, I am a realtor at EXP Realty. So yeah, I should have done that first. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're safe. Forget about that. I focus 100% on investing. I got, thank you. I got your back. I got your back. So let's talk about how you're getting some of these leads coming in. I mean, you knocked out 12 within a two month period. And just to clarify, everybody out there, I don't know if we cover this or not, but this gentleman does do the birth strategy. He leverages credit to be able to do so as well. And, and at the end of the day, um, with the birth strategy, it's always been able to, you know, refi, pay off the lenders or credit and keep on scaling. So how are you typically getting your leads? Yeah. So I started off on the MLS cause he, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. So I was like, oh, it was just on the MLS. That's where you post deals. Yeah. Then I learned that that model wasn't really scalable. Sure. And it would have been fine. Like I said, if I had a lot of money, then I, I would probably just sit back and just be a limited partner in these syndications 
And because I know Same the market. Here. Same here. <laughs> my, my idea of passive income is just at the end of the year, getting a K-1 at the end of the year. You yeah. know, that's passive income because technically you say it's passive income, but I'm still managing the manager, property management. So I don't, I don't sell that dream of sitting on the beach with the pina colada. I'll sell it saying sitting on the beach with pina colada, but answering property manager calls. Yeah. Know? Or putting yeah. in some hard work to get to this point. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but no, the deals, and that's the most important, which is the hardest. Yeah. And I tell people, like, bigger pockets always, everybody's all in the burr. And I, it's the best model ever. It's, yeah. I don't know anything better. Well, I mean, all investors, like real investors, it's all about the value add. So, you know, some people are, are doing it with basic properties and then just trying to get creative on getting more income coming in but real strong investors are doing a little bit of both. They're looking for that forced appreciation that they can get at a discount rate to right. do the value add, get the cash out, get the equity, have options and increase yeah. the income. Yeah. And the bird model it's the best model ever, which is why I'm looking into like wholesaling and getting in more of those strategies, direct mail, sure. cold calling. But again, that uh, the realtor EXP, the disclosure with realtor and it, there's all conversations on that. If you just get your license, as a wholesaler, cause you have to disclose everything. Yeah. But finding deals, the first couple was through, yeah, the MLS, because I thought that that's where they are. Okay. But then a couple wholesalers off market. I went to Zillow and Craigslist and Facebook every day for like six months. Every day I had a 30-minute time block. Like the, the book, The One Thing. Yeah. If anybody right now, I'll, uh, yeah, that, that book's top five book of all time. Cause so good. It really will help narrow the mind into focusing oh, on that one thing. To get the results. I yeah, because I used to be busy all day and I look back, I'm like, what did I get done? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so every time before I go to bed, I put down three things that I'm going to get done the next day that if everything else fails, if I get those three things done, then I move the needle somewhere. Yeah. So but that's why I always do an hour reading, hour of the gym, and then something business. Because if I do an hour reading, hour in the gym, I at least invest in myself for two hours. Yeah. If I can invest myself for two hours a day, I got other problems. It's like, yeah. You have the time. You still have your priorities right for people that tell me that stuff. So, so you, you um, do I don't have kids right now, right? Day, like, what, that? You do this every day, right? The the daily oh, reading yeah. as well as uh, daily working out for yourself. Yep. That, oh. That's the non-negotiables, people. So yeah. I, I call it the non-negotiables because you have to have your own non-negotiables, your self-respect for yourself to stay committed to something, you know? So doing your daily education as well as daily working out, that builds up for all the other areas in your life to be prospering. I love that. Yeah. And, but I was, I would just message sellers though. I was doing this all myself and I know you can, nice thing about real estate, you can effectively leverage yourself out doing VAs and stuff, which I'm looking yeah. into. Yeah. But I believe I should at least have a basic knowledge before I outsource that kind Always. of stuff. So, so I did all this myself and I would send whatever, 20 messages a day on like Zillow, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist. Sure. And go section8.com because I'm famous at section eight. That's where I started. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, because the cash on the certainty. So those four things, I'd reach out to any owners who had it for rent. So like as an actual thing for this podcast, like uh, for this is reaching out to them. And since they already have a need, they're showing you the need is they have a vacant place wanting to rent out. Yeah. Just reach out to them and just being uh, honest saying, I'm not looking to rent your place. Would you be open to selling on seller finance? Yeah. Last out the 20, real estate's a numbers game and a people's business. Yep. You just have to do it consistently to see it. It's like people want the, the results overnight. I did. I, it yeah. just wasn't realistic expectations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just didn't know any better, right? Yeah. Like, 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 uh, like I n never imagined this when I started, like 
my first year was only like 10 houses. And then the previous year was 59 units total now from everything. But it was after testing stuff out, failing, adjusting, the, and then just make your systems. Like I have checklists and systems for everything. Sure. But I did that. And besides the summit C, that belief I had, I got this one. I'm on Craigslist. It's a three bed, two bath for like 75 in Muhammad, Illinois. I'm from Muhammad, just 10 minutes away from Champaign, where University of Illinois is at. Yeah. And I'm like, there ain't a house cheaper than 150 in, <laughs> in Muhammad. <laughs> so I eat, well, I called that guy, cause I was like this, and it was, you know, the one or couple hours online. I'm like, oh, I'm, I call him like, they'll have an offer for you today. Go over there, get it. It was like a probate deal. So it was inherited, they want it done with it. And I was going to list it for 90 or whatever, or I offered them just $75,000 cash using a private lender. Yeah. And they just wanted done with it. So I bought it, 75, put around 20, 25 into it. So I was into it for like 100, went to the bank. This was like in a three-month period. Went to the bank and appraised at 144. Nice. So I got my money out, rented easily because when I buy it and renovate it, I pretty much, no carpet, all vinyl plank. It's like brand new again. So you get a bunch of people fighting over it that want to pay more just to like rent out your place. So it's awesome. Yeah. And so your CapEx and your repairs and maintenance costs for future are going to be minimized. But when I started out, <laughs> I forgot to mention, when I started out, I didn't want to put anyone in these things. I guess it was, it was probably bad, bad to say it, but I show my vulnerabilities and be real. I, yeah, yeah. I love that about you. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would go to Goodwill, buy $75 appliances. And, and they'd work though yeah. because – yeah, you have so to they, go through them though, right? You're going to have to replace it in the next year or so. Yeah. I've done it. I've done yeah, it. So I started because I didn't have money, but now when I buy something, I want to just everything get out, all new vinyl planks, all new appliance, all new. So that way my, my cost going forward are minimal and more predictable. Yes. So started that, but when I did that one, it was like $44,000 of equity, uh, rented at, it probably could have done 1400 but I, I did 1250 for the guy because it was still cash flowing. Sure. So I was like, $44,000 of equity and three months of work and really probably less than 30 hours of my time. And then that's another belief thing. That was another like big belief because that was my first real successful burr. Yeah. And I will say now that I think of it, I think that was the one after that successful one, <laughs> I just got addicted to that process of finding deals, like going on a treasure hunt. Cause that, I will say now I think that besides the summit at sea and the real estate guys dropping money, going to a paid event. Finally, I will say that that uh, first successful burr deal really helped. But it was again, so takeaway, Zillow, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist and Go Section 8. Send to owners and just be real with them. You know, no reason to lie about it. Just say, yeah, I'm not interested in uh, renting. I just want to buy it. Yeah. And, and not everybody's going to say yes, and that's fine. I wasted my time on those guys. I should have just went to the next one. But the seller finance, uh, buying a couple houses, no money down. But whenever I look at a deal, there's two things I always ask. So those those checklist things I do. There's yes. two things I always ask. Is there equity and does it cash flow? Yes. And then the other two things I know, I just need these two things to control a deal. Yeah. Price or terms. Yes. That's it. You know the terms. You're the yeah, ter- yeah. You like so the terms. We, we were talking about this the other day because a lot of people get caught up on the price. And that's okay as long as you got to control one of them. And if they get caught up on the price, I'll offer more on a deal than anybody else is paying because that's what they're stuck on. Like they're closed minded to anything else, but you can negotiate the terms and structure it out. Hey, I have to remodel this property. I'm not going to be able to rent it out for a certain time frame. How about deferred payments for the first year? 
you know, or if there's enough equity and you can work with the guy or 0% interest and yeah. amortized over 30 years and a balloon payment in 10 or like, you know, so many different ways that you can get creative with this. Yeah. So the price or terms doing that, those are the best because instead of saying just price or terms, yes. ask, ask them when they want the money. Yeah. Yeah. When do you need it? Yeah. <laughs> like a blank stare. I, but, I, I always ask, what are your plans with the funds? And usually yeah, that catches people off guard and they don't necessarily like that. So you, you're going to want to figure out after you ask that a few times, you'll realize the reaction you get isn't the best unless you build out the relationship and get them to kind of open up to you. Exactly. Once, once you ask that, it really sets up the motion like, well, I'm going to put it in my bank. Oh, okay. Well, I can show you how to make more money than that. Yeah, then just, just show them the interest they're going to be getting at the bank at 1%. You start showing them the interest rate they're going to get there at 4%. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the other thing on that is, I forgot what I was going to say on the, the terms. But yeah, terms are, terms are huge. You can essentially overpay sometimes just to get the terms. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's what the game changer is. Like, and that's, again, another belief. Like, I have some couple of friends who are really smart, and I know they've been good in real estate because, you know, you uh, – going through adversity and stuff that's inevitable through sports and stuff that's why i like it yeah. so nothing's gonna go as well as point i know they'd be good in real estate but like i'll send them a million dollar deal and stuff like again two years ago i was looking at thirty thousand dollar deal yeah, yeah. i yeah. build that belief every time you know you're yeah. scared anything's scared when you first do it i was like at least i am i was scared the thirty two thousand dollar deal yeah i was scared i did do a million dollar offer or a 15 million dollar offer this past year that didn't get and i'm glad but it was that I show them a million dollar deal, like, oh, like I got that type of money or I don't have that money. It was like, that's just like a, you got to have fixed, mi- that's fixed mindset, growth mindset. Yeah, yeah. And that's like one of my favorite things. Yeah. You got growth mindset on that. And I was like, the million dollar number, if it's a good enough cost basis, you know, that's, that's what it all comes down to that the cost basis. If you buy below market enough, it doesn't matter because you get so many exit strategies there. Like Tim Brotz, he's probably one of my favorite multifamily syndicators. He talks about it a lot. I don't golf or anything, but he puts in a good story perspective. He's like, like golf scramble. You're a partner with a couple guys. You hit three golf balls or whatever, and you get to choose which one is close to the hole. It's like having those kind of strategies, you know, like a golf scramble. I want more op- options. I don't want mine that I hacked over here into a house, a window yeah. in a country club. Yeah. I'll take my partner's ball farther. I want the better option. But it's, it's all about the cost base against like uh, showing a million dollars. You're like, I don't have the money. He's like, well, how do I get the money? You partner up, you know, you slice it up with some friends and stuff. But it, it's all numbers at the end of the day. And I started off the same way, only looking at properties, $100,000 or under, and then keep on building up the confidence after you knock out maybe three deals. Then you actually start getting to that next level of confidence. You can get up to several six figures. And we just did our first, you know, seven figure deal as well, getting to the millions. And, you know, it's That's everything it's, in San Diego for you, isn't it? You're, Cause you're saying almost everything. Yeah. Almost everything. Your mailboxes are 32,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just a little small section. Yeah. Everything's over a million in San Diego, isn't it? Yeah. So it's the mindset, but also that uncomfortableness, as long as you surround yourself with good people, just like you have in the past, the education and then knowing your numbers, you know, there's so many backup plans. So that, that's awesome. So we talked about finding your lead generation and we talked about, you know, terms versus price and negotiating and so forth. I do want to talk about some of the way you're structuring deals because you get those creative deals coming in and my favorite, 
Yeah, man, that's that's what it's about. The creative deals getting zero dollars down or a thousand dollars down, and people like hear about it, but they don't realize how possible it truly is and different ways you can structure it. So let's talk about some of your deals or what you would recommend in actually structuring. Yeah, well, I was gonna say this. Yeah, and the other thing is I read like. Like I said, I had too much f- more fun in college than I should have drinking and stuff. I will admit, I didn't go to college for the academics. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't say that, but I went for the social aspect. <laughs> Just like the military. I went, it was like the experience and social aspect. It wasn't because of the money. Yeah. But yeah, I read like one book in college, but literally the last two years, I've read, I don't know why I keep track of this as like KPI, but probably over uh, 45 books the last two years. Yep. And I read like one or two books in college because I had that one hour carved out in my time block a day to read. Yep. And it just compounds, but so, but this book, No Money Down, to get, to get back to your question on structure, is I believe you don't really become a real estate investor until you run out of money. Yes. Because then you start getting creative, and, you, and uh, again, yeah, Tim, <laughs> Tim Roth says, when you ask yourself good questions, you get good answers, but it was more of uh, structure-wise, like I said, I was lucky to start off with no money because it forced me just to be stupid creative yeah you have no other choice right and uh, we're the same way like we we didn't save up enough money because we were working in restaurants right like we didn't have enough money saved up we we saved thirty five thousand. it took like four years (laughs) yeah and then we weren't educated enough or had enough balls to like go over to people and raise money from them so we we leverage credit oh yeah i'll get back to your question about structure and buy we'll we'll say this like besides the creative deals like thousand dollar down doing seller finance you just get an attorney you can do those but when i started two years ago i i wanted to i didn't want to i didn't think it was right for me to ask people for money until i had a proof concept did it myself sure so i started off with credit cards i knew i could get zero percent financing for 12 months that first hard money deal i talked about when i was i was paying a hard for the hundred thousand i was in i was paying a hard money 12 percent and four points yeah. 60% annualized. I was getting killed, but I didn't have a track record. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I had nothing. So yeah. I did whatever I could to get in the game. Yes. So I paid 16% to get in the game. But when I looked at it, these credit cards, I'm like, well, I can get up to 100,000, 0% money. And I even paid a company after I did a couple of myself, paid a company 3,500 to get $100,000. And I looked at this, that as a 3.5% interest rate. Yeah. I'm doing a 16% just straight. Yeah. So that's why I got in the credit game. And I know you're the master of the credit. Like anybody yeah. needs credit, go to Brandon. He, he's got it all. But that's what got me in the credit game. Go as far as you can see when you get the OC farther. So that's why I started getting into credit because I just looked at what I was paying hard money and what I could get with these credit cards. So doing that and buying gold, I'd buy gold with my credit cards, get the gold, sell the gold. And then I'd have like 10,000 in cash send it to my Chase account, I'm like, holy crap, it worked. I'd have like the 10,000 in my Chase bank. I was like, oh my gosh, it worked. So you're uh, manufacturing spending basically by utilizing the, the buying gold method, getting the cash out quickly, and still making somewhat of a profit doing it. Yeah, the, the cash back. And because I, I wanted to buy some, some tangible collateral. And I knew gold, if you look at the dollar going down, and gold, gold price going up is less to do with gold. It's more about the U.S. dollar money supply, like yes. Future Jekyll Island, one of my favorite financial books. It's long, but I knew gold wasn't volatile like stocks, high, low, yeah. high, low. Gold just steady and not as volatile. So I was like, I'm going to take these credit cards, zero percent. I'm going to buy gold, yeah, get the gold and liquidate right away. You might lose some spot price, but the the speed of cash and convenience, I was willing to pay that if I had a deal lined up. So yeah, I'd buy tangible gold, 
And I even, which I th still thought was a model, I'd go to drug seized auction, car auctions. Yep. I, I bought my Honda Civic for like 2900 with my credit card. But my plan going into that, I went to like two back-to-back -back by myself. I'd drive out to this rural area or, where car auctions were. And just to see the process, like this is this car, knew the trade-in value. My model was to transfer that same liquidation strategy. I, was gonna, I bought the car for 2900 posted on Facebook Marketplace. I had an offer for 6000 uh, on Facebook Marketplace, but I was like, wait, this car is 95,000 miles. So I didn't sell it. I took it off. Yeah. I actually drove that car for two years. <laughs> but I was like, I was going to start doing that. And I was going to do the drug seized auctions because those are usually good vehicles that police just take. Yep. You know? So I didn't want to go to car auctions. I know some cars just get on the lot and are crap, but I knew drug seized auctions. I could find good collateral, but it, go, it goes back in. It was real tangible collateral. Yep. So with gold and it was like buying the cars at drug seized auctions as a second creative thing was because it was about buying that low cost basis again. Yep. Instead, of, instead of buying a house, you know, all in 70% where you can refinance with the bank right away, you can buy a tangible collateral car at a drug seized auction and just flip it. But then, then you get into dealer because I dove into it because I was looking at that as a side business. But you get into dealer, you have to have a certain license. So yeah. don't, don't do that anybody. But that's, that's just uh, what I started for manufacturer spin. But now it's just use plastic. Yeah, plastic, yeah. Amazing. Now I just yeah. use plastic. I don't have to do any of that stuff. Yep. But to get back to your question, sorry. I just wanted to throw out about the gold and the car. Cause of I, course. No, it's like. You've got to be creative. Yeah. Like, it's not traditional. Yes. I was to my friends, if you want to think traditional, don't talk to me. Cause yeah. <laughs> but no, to get back to Especially in the credit space or like real estate as well. You got to get creative. Anybody that we see that comes in and they want the playbook with credit. It is there. There is a playbook of exactly how to do it. But then there's going to be so many circumstances that you will thrive so much more and you'll stop getting like smacked in the face by like a, a red, you know, stop sign if you stand outside the box and get creative so that right. you can, you know, make these things really work in your favor. So I love what you've done with gold. I've loved what you've done with manufacturer spending with the cars as well. That's like, it's thinking outside the box. That's awesome. Yeah, but it was like, it was like, again, people hit a roadblock, and they stop. And that's why I always say like the two biggest things, you need to know your why and then be persistent. Because if you do those two things, you never quit, you can't lose. Yeah. You, and that's why I look at every difficulty or adversity you face. I just look at it as a opportunity to learn. It's like a growth mindset. It's like, if you let it stop you, then you don't have your back against the wall. I put my back against the wall because I said, I'm not going to work for a W2 job. I have to make this work. Yeah. Maybe I was a little crazy. Yeah, butts, right? I had higher risk tolerance because I will say, if I had a kids and family and stuff, I probably wouldn't have bet on it. But I was just betting on myself. I'm like, I'm going to make this work. I'm, I'm single by myself. And I knew now is the time to do it. You know, it is. kids and stuff down the road, 30 years old. And I think I got that from Elon Musk. It's crazy self, but he's like, now's the time to take a chance on yourself. People are like, oh, real estate's risky. I'm like, being uneducated is risky. I was like, <laughs> working, working 20 to 30 years for a pension, that's a risk too. That's, that's risky. risky. Yeah, waiting for somebody else to hopefully pay you out. That's yeah, risky. Waiting for retirement, that's a risk too. So I just... Uh, or just, just sitting there doing nothing. Now that's a damn risk. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a big risk that I would appreciate sometimes that I think you need for balance. But yeah. to get back to your question on structure, sorry, I just there's lots I could have talked there. But oh, love it. To, get, to get back on the structure, no, it's my favorite thing in real estate. Like yeah. like I said, I don't believe you're a real estate investor until you don't have any money because it forces you to be creative. Yeah. And I don't really look at myself as a real estate investor per se, just like professional a deal maker because there's just so many variables and you learn all these tools and you just yep. connect the dots. 
like you're talking about the seller and the terms. Yeah. I, my first question, my number one question, I was going to something. I simply say, why are you selling? Yeah. From there, I can Listen. almost predict, almost predict if I'm going to do the, do a deal with them in the future, follow up with them. Sure. But that's the number one question to ask. Why are you selling? Because there's no motivation. You're most likely not going to have equity. And if they need the money right away, they're probably not going to need seller finance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for structures, seller financing, for the Burr model, I would do a line of credits on your house as a HELOC or uh, using credit card funds. But one of the things you talked about earlier was finding deals. Like I started off MLS, but then I was like, who has a source off market deals who I could utilize this Burr model and scale it? It was wholesalers. So what I did all last year, probably once or twice a month, I have some friends in Indianapolis. I started going to Indianapolis once or twice a month and just reaching out to every wholesaler I knew in Indianapolis because property taxes are lower. Sure. In Illinois, uh, where I live, Champaign, it was like, Champaign's the fastest growing city in Illinois. And somebody raised their hand at this investor meeting. And I was at like, isn't Champaign the only growing city in Illinois? <laughs> so I invest all in Champaign, Illinois, because I always be in Champaign, U of I, love it here. Yeah. And uh, Indianapolis, because the property taxes on are terrible. So, and I don't want to be tied down to one economy. So I started investing in Indianapolis because property taxes are lower and it's a billion dollar surplus state. And just started connecting with wholesalers and made a Google spreadsheet, the wholesaling company, the, the phone number, the email. And then I just started building the team out and you refine and get to see who the real players are. Yeah. And then I did property managers, who's property managers in the area and just following up on them and test them out. And it's always going to be learning. Sure. But started doing that to find the deals because I had my, the money and funding in place, like probably over 15 private partners, 15 to 20 on a Google sheet. I do promissory notes with usually six to 24 month notes. And I paid the 10% interest to some friends that loan, but it started doing that for deals and for all the Burr model. Of course, like I said, Burr model is the greatest model ever. It's finding the deal that's hard. So I was like, yeah, if you find the deal, do them. It's just hard to find those deals. So wholesalers, I started connecting with wholesalers. Yeah. And I was like, even if I don't get all my money out, I leave 5,000 into a house that's completely remodeled. And you're cash flowing? three hundred. You do the cash and cash return on that. Come on, baby. It's like, and it's like, I don't believe in only looking at cash or cash return. Yeah. Cause I've done no money down deal and it cash flows $400, yeah. but it was like 80% loan to value. So there's equity there. Sure. But if I buy a million dollar deal that is worth 9 million, but I have no money in the deal, it cash flows, you know, 500. I overpaid for it. My, yeah. my cash, cash return is good, yeah. but down the road, I'm going to run into some problems trying to refinance out. But for structure-wise, like I said, the Burr model, I mean, you know the game. Credit cards are my favorite, man. But I got over 25 credit cards. It seems excessive now, but it started off with just like three, you know? Yeah. But you build that up. Very near future, you're going to about double that. So, <laughs> oh, every six, I, got, I got a time block. Every six months, I'm applying for more. You yeah, know this. Yeah, yeah. You know the credit game. You're the credit guy. But they're my favorite because I don't have to answer to anybody. So credit cards, home equity line of credit, was going to say, oh, and then people were like, Oh, you're, cause I have a couple of promissory notes, my Indianapolis stuff, like private money where I live since I'm active here, I got private money to, I can probably do deals with good relationships from RIA meetings. And that's another thing I say, like anybody in real estate, go to RIA meetings. There might be a fee, but it's nice just to get around other people. Cause then you know, you're, it, it's a lonely world sometimes when you're 
I'm in this place by myself, you know, it's good yeah, to get yeah. out to other people with the same goals as you. So like finding your tribe and your real estate investor. It comes down to that networking, you know, like constantly getting out there, letting people know what the hell you're doing and, and letting everybody know like your goals, what you're looking for. So that's where you get all the brokers, agents, wholesalers, like uh, right. neighbors, friends, family, people, everybody and anyone sending you those leads, which is awesome. Yeah, it's a great place to find private money because yeah. these people already know the model. They yeah. know real estate. And the most likely the older looking people are the ones with the money. But you don't look at somebody as a statistic like that. Like I have a lot of the guys from the real estate investor meeting that, you know, I just like and respect them because I know how hard and they've been through the same stuff I have trying, sure. trying to grow, you know, buying bad. I bought bad starting out, but I don't count my losses, just count the lessons. You know, you just fix down your system. It's a uh, improvement to make going forward. Like I, I don't buy my ARVs. Like you start bu building your systems criteria. Like my ARVs, I will not go over 150. I'm not going to do any rehabs that are longer than three to four weeks or more than 25,000 rehabs anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you start building that criteria as you go through the experience, but, yeah. or you just lose money on a couple of deals. So you're like, I'm not doing that again. It was like, yeah. you touch the stove to know it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> but then Indianapolis, I didn't have my private money lenders. Some with Indianapolis law, I guess I sent multiple deals, like a sample deal package. And maybe the deal wasn't good enough, I guess. And that's fine is they don't want to lend Indianapolis. I'm like, okay, I got to use my line of credits, credit cards or something for Indianapolis deals. Sure. So I started using hard money for my Indianapolis deals. And it's all about that cost basis. So I would use hard money for 80 to 90% of the purchase price. Yeah. And then I would take private money for 10 to 20%. And so people like, that's crazy risk. And I'm like, is it? Because my cost basis is eight. If I buy a hundred thousand dollar house for 80,000 and I put $20,000 down on my own money, yeah. then I have 20% equity. If I buy an $80,000 house that's worth a hundred and I get 80% from a hard money and 20% from a private money, guess what? I still have 20% equity. Yeah. Who's at more risk? So yeah, I'm 100% leveraged. I have two promissory notes, hard money lender I'm paying, and then a private money lender. But my all-in basis is under 80%. Mm -hmm. Or ideally, you want to be under 70%. I was really aggressive starting out, and I'm slowing down more. more. <laughs> so I was like, oh, 80%? Oh, well, I'll just have a couple thousand in doing it. But Because I knew one deal, like I said, as long as you don't let it knock you out, it's going to change your life, but refining your process and systems, that's what's going to change you. I, I don't look at the end result from that. I focus on the process because yeah. the process is what's going to get the results. So I just focus on how I'm structuring deals. So my Indianapolis stuff, I was using hard money and private money and then I get it fixed up, refinance out. So I was also doing my Indianapolis stuff and that's pretty much 80% of my focus because the property taxes are lower now. Yeah. So do it, doing that, but now with it, the virus market, that's one thing I need to change now because Adapt, now right? money froze up, hard money froze up. I'm going to rehab right now doing one. And that's uh, not a good time to have floating debt in on property. So I'm trying to restructure debts right now to get fixed in with the bank money, cheap money. But so yeah, not, not doing any rehabs, big rehabs besides that one, but it's a low enough cost basis. You have some exit strategies there. Yeah. No, I love that. So we're running tight on time. So we got to go through, because uh, I do want to ask you a few more things before we wrap it here. But for the most part, you've always done the birth strategy on single family properties. I think you're up to like 
what, 50 something or I know you have 69 in total, right? But you just got a triple net lease as well. I want to talk about the triple net lease and what that looks like. I know the other night when we were on the phone, you were just saying what a blessing it is and just give it to, you know, some motivation for some other people out there. Yeah, first start, I, I thought I wanted more houses, but you know, it wasn't about that. It was more about the time freedom it can provide. And when you're doing all these houses, well, I think in any business, whatever people do, no matter what they, you, they show on social media, whatever business you and you're going to run into problems. Yeah. You're just what problems you're going to run into. Yeah. When I did the single family, it was an admin nightmare. Like I'm doing 10 to 15 hour days. It's just nuts. I have all these different roofs, 50 different roofs. Exactly. I see this deal and just stayed on it, a 10 cap day one. And I had some collateral in my houses. I had some a balance sheet built up from equity for my small deals, my, yeah. my base hits. And, and did an offer where the bank, and this was another creative strategy besides seller finance, the Burr, was this was the model where I was able to buy after building up a track record and relationship with banks was the uh, list at one, 1.3 million. And I was looking around nine, 900. 900 to a million range, so around a 10 cap. But there wasn't really any value out there. Okay. So it's already so, good to go. Yeah. So, so there wasn't really any value out there. So I'm like, oh, man, if I put money into it, it's going to be stuck until I sell or refinance. That's the only time you can realize your gains. Unless, sure. So I'm like, oh, I probably, if I can't get it low enough, I can do a seller finance kind of creative strategy. And it's been sitting on the market for a while. So like, oh, I might as well send an offer because I like the building. Yeah. It was a 10 cap day one. I was bringing in like 150,000. If you're an apartment building, you have like a 50% expense ratio. Yeah. On, on this commercial building, since they're triple net leases, one or two gross, but your so triple net leases, just so everybody knows, it's basically you're renting it out to like a business and they are responsible for everything. They're, they're responsible for the utilities. The It's usually just a structure, right? And, and they are responsible for like building however they want in there. Yeah. They're, they're responsible for the mechanicals and everything. Yeah. The insurance. So their expense ratio, so if they're taking all those expenses on a triple net, you might have a 20 or 10% expense ratio, ratio. So you get to keep more of what comes yeah. in. But I got a... Quick uh, question. Do you, do you cover any landscaping at that place or do they do? There's actually a clinic in there uh, that does like the snow removal and stuff. But I have a cleaning crew in there. I have c- go every Saturday to change the toilet paper rolls and still manage it. And I will say I started to hand off all my property management. That's the only building really that uh, I'm managing now because okay. you really don't have to manage too much. Yeah, it's not much, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the end goal. Be, be like a limited partner syndication or triple net leases. Yeah. But So, yeah, I got a bank 80% loan on that and then 20% carry back that. I pay the seller, but it all came back down to, since it wasn't value, I didn't want to have all my money in to be able to get it back. So basically being able to structure that with uh, 80% bank note, 20% carry back, and you amortize the carry back out long enough to make sure your debt service coverage ratio is over 1.30. So that's what the banks are going to look at. Yeah. So as long as you have that cash flow, and then I'm getting a 4.75 interest at 25 years, and like I said, I had enough uh, collateral on the back end to, to use if need to be down the road to liquidate if I ever need to bring other cash to it. But I set it up and it's on five-year balloons. Okay. So it's all out in a five years with the principal pay down so big and the cash flow. That's another thing. When I started, everything I made from invest, I just reinvested. I never touched it. I never went out to go with it. I, didn't really, I realized I didn't really have to make, you really don't have to make that much to, when you knock out your biggest expenses like house hacking, 
when I was starting out and Carver, like, you just not got to be a expense. You don't have to make that much. And it was like, technically you can say retired, uh, not because I, I make tons of money or bloated, you know, yeah. making flax. It's because I never increased my lifestyle yeah. with making money. Like I still wear uh, basketball shirts from eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> my, my Bulldogs, you know? So I, I still wear like hand-me-down stuff that I, I had forever ago. Just so, like me, I promise. Just like me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, like Robert Kiyosaki on that cruise ship, he was telling the stories like him and his wife Kim. They they retired because their monthly expenses were three thousand, and they were making ten thousand. They weren't rich, but they were yeah. like financially free because their expenses were so low. Yeah. So once you get your your expenses so low, whether whatever that looks like to get them low, and then just have that additional income coming in, like if it covers your lifestyle, your ideal lifestyle, that's that financial freedom. Right. So, but yeah, that structure, like I told you though, and this is after building up a relationship with banks and track record. Yeah. You actually know what you're doing, not just sending like an email with a couple numbers. Like I had a spreadsheet. I knew the banks liked the debt service coverage and NOI. Yes. I created a spreadsheet to show Boom. NOI and DSCO because that's what they're looking at. So I, so they see that, that structured every time, same template. I'm plug and play numbers. So that's what I did. Bank did 80%, seller carry back 20%. And on the houses, those are the kind of structure I did there. But like I said, when I started, it was six months seasoning before they refinance and get capital. But now, as long as I have a lease in hand and with a chosen enough cash flow, you can refinance quicker and get that money back and go to the next deal if you want. I love it. That's so, so good, brother. So with that deal, what did you pay for that? It was 980? Not, not 990. Yeah. I, I'm a geek on the numbers and spreadsheets. So I bought it at 990. The bank gave me 80%, so I was 792. And then the, the seller carry back 193. And I actually got a check at clo uh, closing for like over 30,000. I got a ch check at th uh, 30,000 for the taxes, property taxes. So I got handed a million dollar asset with a check at closing. Yeah. So I had, yeah, seven no money out of pocket. You're, you're buying an asset, a million dollar asset, no money out of pocket and something that's cash flowing day one. Mm -hmm. And you also get a check at closing for 30 grand. Yeah. That's a creativity. That's not traditional stuff. Yeah. But the, the reason I did that, and usually it's good to have money in the deal, but I'd rather keep my liquidity for repairs and maintenance yes. and have it stuck in the deal. Yeah. So that's why I always try to go in, no money down. As long as it's, it's a good enough cost basis, already cash flowing. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had 80%, $792,000, I pay the mortgage, and then I had the one ninety-three. I pay uh, the seller every month. So I have two mortgage payments, but yeah. my cash flow is still enough. So yeah, the infinite return without doing a value add burr. Yeah, come <laughs> on, on, baby. Come on, baby. I love it. And I'll be realistic. I don't expect those to ever come up again, but I got to keep the mindset. They're coming I, back. I, I, you don't hit a home run unless you swing the bat. So just, just, it's like the active fisherman, you know, just keep being active. Yep. Some, some are going to be base hits, but you know, just keep running the process. But yeah. so that was a home run, but that's not going to be your last home run, brother. It's you got more coming. Just keep on getting up there. Keep swinging the bat. And yeah, that's what it's about. I love that. It's that positive mindset and keep on. It's education, getting creative, thinking outside the box, creating a win-win. They had it listed for what, six months or longer. Yeah. In, in August, was when I seen the listing and we closed in January. So September, October, November, December, five months. That was yeah. a five month deal. So it's not like I call them and then next month those. So yeah, it's five, five months. Follow up. I love that. That's so good. So let's talk about some learning curves and then, you know, some things that maybe you, if you could do different or something that you think maybe the listeners could uh, get uh, some education on. So help them out. And then we'll dive into how people can get a hold of you. 
Yeah, so the, the learning curve is probably just looking at refining systems and just finding like podcasts and Audible and stuff, seeing whatever the next problem is. Yep. You know, I believe making a shortcut is just connecting with somebody who is where you want to be, but seeing like, did this guy do this successful? You know, finding him so you like credit, you know, next, whatever learning curve is, there's always going to be an answer to it. Yeah. You got to find out who's doing it. But yeah, I mean, the, the learning curves, unfortunately, mine, I probably took too many on experiencing from like rehabs. Like you, you just start learning the process when you're, when you're doing it. But learning about private money and finding discounted deals and, and that range for uh, being able to scale, that's, that's where you're going to scale. But like I said, not everybody needs to scale or have a 15 team like wholesale team yeah. because like I said you're, you're you're choosing your problems whatever way you go so learning curve I, I would always but it always comes back I think Sean Whalen was like saying this was doing what you want and it starts with this starting with the end in mind you don't need to base what other people are doing on on what you're doing you just plan out your goal what you want at the end in mind and work from there because I don't think it makes sense to be you know millionaire or whatever and out of shape and stuff. I was like, some people are so broke, all they have is money. So some people are, I see some people just millionaires and just working all day and terrible lives and that. So I, I didn't want to be that. So I'm just huge on building experience and doing just, that's why I love traveling. I just love traveling because the military, besides getting humbled and uh, learning uh, SOPs and stuff, yeah. when I joined the military right out of high school, like besides sports, you travel in sports in high school, you know, you're kind of traveling for eight, like not, but football, I really didn't travel outside that much. When I joined the military, like traveling out, you know, different parts of not getting deployed or anything. Like, so I'm not active duty or range or nothing, but just getting outside, you get to see it, stuff's out there, all the stuff's out there. So le- learning that way. I, I think that's powerful, man. It's like, you know, when there's a will, there's a way, not letting yourself be stopped by anything. I've had issues in the past with like, just getting educated by the banks on what they will take to be able to fit in their box type of thing. And credit, if I could do anything over, I would have invested in learning the contractors as well as the financing aspect, the the credit stuff, as well as working with banks a lot sooner. So, so that I could be able to fit in the boxes and be able to have the ultimate funds to be able to do these deals, you know? Yeah. Oh, that came back to mind out like what you were saying was we have the learning curves like um, there's there's a book for everything and YouTube tutorial for everything you need to know. Yeah. So so I that's how I learned my learning curves like Jay Scott's uh, estimated rehab cost like I, I went to, I went to home I went to home uh, Home Depot University I just walked down the aisles. Six a.m. baby. <laughs> oh, seeing what stuff would cost. Yeah. But those learning curves that way. But like I said, uh, some people are so broke all they have is money is like, I want to make sure I, I have experiences and stuff and yeah. not all about the money, but just having those kind of experiences and stuff available. But yeah, like you said, the books, there's pretty much a book in YouTube. You know, YouTube is uh, free stuff, has everything you need to learn, whatever I mean, topics. That, that's where I learned a ton. That was most of it. For two years, I was studying like it was four to five hours every day, just constantly <laughs> putting in the work. And it, it comes down to all the books, all the podcasts, and all the YouTube you can get your hands on to be able to get the education and just not giving any any way out. You know, have your non-negotiables. I love that. Yeah. No, it was, it was like, uh, some people were like, oh, you got 
10 houses here and make money. It was like, I ate poop for the first two yeah. years, man. But then they don't see that. Just like, no, I was like, no, it was just, uh, just constantly, uh, working the process and growing. But I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, definitely not like that, but just staying like books are huge. And like, I don't know. Uh, and I was always cheap, like not paying for a paid event, but I would say getting around people, mentors and seeing, cause you, you get that belief when you're around people. Yes. You, you want to believe when you're reading the book, you get like, I get, I got hyped after reading rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. But it really, it, so you got you the mindset asset liabilities, you know, but it didn't tell me the how to Yeah. So cash flow quadrant. Then I started, uh, knowing a real estate investor, Gary Keller, but then I got into more specific strategies with nothing down Robert Allen. Yeah. And that book, that book made me messed up in the head. Cause I was yeah. looking at every deal could be, any deal could be done. Yeah. I read nothing and everything. Yeah. There was no excuses because I had nothing. He's doing all these deals, no money. So that, that book was the one that really got me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Q, you're the man, brother. I really do appreciate all your time. And you gave well over an hour of just gold nuggets everywhere. And I appreciate that greatly. I know the listeners will as, as well. How can myself or the listeners give back to you? Um, yeah, I was w- working on a, a, a website I have done this month in quarantine since I have time. But I can just shoot me an uh, email, Mc, the McNewCapital at gmail.com or whatever. And I have a, a book I was in last year with Real Estate Radio Guys Group. I can, I'll send it to them for, for free. Any of your listeners or whatever, send it to them for free. Yes. So I know I, that's how I started. I want to pay anything. So may, maybe if they get uh, motivated and stuff, showing that you don't need money yes. to, to really get started, you just need to have a big why so let's go baby i love that so reach out to this guy he will hook you up with a free book that dives into some creative different strategies to be able to get real estate for yourself as well any other ways how people can get a hold of you no email is usually the best like i said some of my friends realized i don't some when i was property managing i just physically couldn't answer all the calls i sometimes go straight to voicemail because i time blocked it but after five i usually look at my phone call and try to get back to everybody but email is probably the best time efficient wise Okay, one more time. What's the email? McNew Capital. So M C N E W C A P I T A L at gmail.com. Perfect. Love it. Well, you guys, you can always reach me at Brandon Investments.com. Otherwise, Instagram, Brandon Elliott Investments, or Facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott Investor, or Facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott. R-E-I. I appreciate you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and also leave a review. Let me know what you guys think about this episode. Take advantage of this man. He is tremendously filled with a ridiculous amount of knowledge, education, and just thinking outside the box. So reach out to him, get the, get the free book. You definitely want to take advantage of that. Also reach out to me if you guys have any questions regarding credit or or real estate. would love to help back out. And uh, we got some awesome things coming up with credit here coming up very soon, releasing out the course in the next 30 days or so. Very excited for that. Ninja credit, credit Ninja. I've, I've done a lot of credit courses, honestly, price been over 20, 30,000 in credit courses. Like, and saying that now seems crazy because I didn't have it, but I'll say, yeah, uh, Brandon, I will say, I'll give you a, he didn't pay me to say it before, but yeah, uh, Brandon's uh, on the credit game. He, he pretty much tops all the stuff you really need and, it's, uh, it's pretty powerful when you learn the credit game and you combine it with real estate because those two things, they're always going to be here. So I'm going to invest my time in real estate and credit because I don't think they're going anywhere. You know? That's so. right. That's right. I appreciate you, brother. I didn't pay you up front, but I'll pay you now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was waiting for. Was so- <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Until uh, next time, uh, reach out as well. I, I want to give you my book, Action Driven, absolutely free. I'll hook that up for you. 
and give you a one-on-one -on -one credit, uh, a little consultation for you guys. If uh, you just hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification for Ready, Set, Go, REI podcast every single Monday, you definitely want to get that. So hit that subscribe button, leave a review. Let me know what you guys think. And we will see you on the very next one. Until next right. time, guys. Q, you're the man. Appreciate you, brother. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Brandon. We'll see ya. All right, guys. Stay blessed. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.